Pastor Xavier Reese and the Shepherd, the Sheep, and the Simple Truth. Notice the Holy Spirit had called them to shepherd the flock of God. The idea of being feeding, leading, and keeping sheep. When you think of a shepherd taking care of those animals, it's not a very glorious job. It's a job that is leading really a group of animals that are very dumb. They don't smell that good. And they're not very cooperative. Wow, what a parallel, huh? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Feed my sheep were among Jesus' last words to the Apostle Peter. But have you ever wondered just who are his sheep and what is it that they are to feed on? Well, to answer those questions, Pastor Xavier turns back to the book of Acts chapter 20, where Paul is instructing the elders from the early church at Ephesus on just what's involved for the pastor who's been led to lead the flock. Let's join him in today's Simple Truth study titled, Paul's Counsel to the Elders. As we continue in our series of Paul's last meeting with the Ephesian elders, we come to his second concluding statement of all that he has declared from verse 17 down to verse 27. Now, in view of the fact that the priorities of a pastor regarding his service in the gospel are to serve God, to serve the church, and to serve the sinner, Paul is saying, and in view of the fact that the pastor's call and key to suffering are endured by being spiritually bound, being spiritually prepared, and being spiritually conscious. In view of the fact that Paul declared three absolute truths about himself as their pastor, that Paul had the faithful sense that they would not see him again, that Paul had been faithful to warn them about sin and judgment, and that Paul had been faithful to declare them all of God's word. In view of of proclaiming all these things to the Ephesian elders, Paul now concludes they need to be cautious. Paying attention to three very specific things that he gives us here in one verse. Verse 28. Listen to it. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased With his own blood. Here's the three things there to be cautious and pay close attention to. First of all, the elders were to take heed to people. Take heed to people. Secondly, the elders were to take thought of who was doing the work. And then thirdly, the elders were to take notice who paid for the church. And so the elders, first of all, were to take heed to people. The first group that falls under the category of people is the elders themselves. It's easy to lose sight of that if you're an authority or in a position of authority. The elders were to take heed to themselves as the concluding statement. The conclusion of all that said, therefore, in view of the fact of all that I said, but the previous one is, I have not withheld a word, I've given you everything. They were to do this by paying attention and taking caution to their own lives as Christians first. This is what the word take heed means. The word notice is in the present imperative. 
expressing a constant heating. This is what the Greek indicates. Not only is that a, a general principle to all of us as Christians, but more so the context is leadership. Those in authority. Constantly they have to be careful. They were to be always aware that they were men and any other person would be just like them. They have sin nature. They're tempted. They can fail. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has been brought to us, which God does not give us a way of escape. We're to take heed, lest we think we stand, we end up falling. Pride. First uh, John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." So sin nature is ever present. They were to always remember that their heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, according to Jeremiah 17.9. Sin nature resides in them as well as any other person. Something that every man knows, but it's easy to lose sight of if you are in a position of authority. Not only Jeremiah makes that as a ruling principle for all of mankind, but Paul the Apostle makes it very clear as he's dealing with the whole aspect of Romans in Romans 7, 17 and 18. That that I don't want to do, I end up doing. What I end up doing, I don't want to do. A wretched man that I am, so on and so forth. That sin principle resides in all of us. And so we have to be careful that we never deny. I get to a place where we say, if any man says he has not sinned, he does not have sin nature, he's a liar. First John 1, 8, very clear. So they were to crucify their old man. Daily, they had crucified him when they accepted Christ, Romans 6, 6, and 7, and then in 11, crucify him daily. Every day you and I get to make a choice whether we let the old man live or the new man live. It's a choice. But again, the context is, is more emphatic because he's dealing with leadership here. So they were to be ready to confess their sins and to keep their relationship right so they could have access to God. As you know, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, God does not hear me. Isaiah says, God's hand is not short that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from your God. He says that he turns his back. Isaiah 59, 1 on down to 2, I believe. And that's why he's given us a provision through Jesus Christ, as you know in 1 John 2, 1. He says, my little children, I write these things to you that you do not practice sin, but when you stumble, when you fall, because of your weakness, because of the, your, 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 your imperfection, you have Jesus Christ the righteous to make intercession for you. So we keep our accounts short, we keep our balance up, and we know where we're at. You understand? Never let your balance be unknown in your relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? Notice also the elders were to uh, take heed to themselves by paying attention and taking caution to their own lives as leaders. So first of all, as Christians, this is very important. It's basic foundation. But as leaders, they were to be careful not to disqualify themselves from service to the Lord. They were to beware that they're not serving themselves and they need to be careful they didn't serve themselves instead of God the church and sinners as he told them in verse 19 through 21 they were to give attention to be spirit bound spirit prepared and spirit conscious as Paul was in verse 22 through 24 he's modeled it for them they were to be cautious to preach the kingdom of God to be innocent of the blood of all men and not shun or hold back the full counsel of God, as 25 to 27 says. This is what they as leaders are to be cautious about and give attention to. 
First, their lives as Christians. Second, as leaders. You first look over your life. You are the sentinel over your life. Paul is saying to these leaders. The second group here that falls under the category of people is the flock. And to all the flock of God, the elders were to pay attention to all the flock, mark it well, to care that it reflect the nature and the conduct of the Christian community comprised of Jew and Gentile. Paul the Apostle made this very, very clear throughout the scriptures. That they understand biblical and godly repentance in contrast to mere remorse that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians 7.10. As elders, they need to give the whole counsel of God. And that people, the people that they are ministering to, that people understand what is godly repentance, what is not. Very, very clear. This is one of the confusions today in the church. A lot of seeker-friendly and people are just preaching methodology. They're not preaching biblical repentance. They're not dealing with sin and salvation. Just a lot of good emotional theology. That they understand the importance of the word of God in their lives. This is what they are to understand. That the people are to understand. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says, Wherewithal will a young man cleanse his ways? In my heart have I hid thy word that I might not sin against you. They need to understand this. Shepherd gives the word. We're going to see this a little bit more beyond as we move forward. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Not being ashamed. Proved of God. Second Timothy 2.15 Sharp two-edged sword, piercing the sun, the soul and the spirit. Discerning the intent and thought of man. Hebrews 4.12, only the word can do this. So they were to be very aware of this. Notice the elders were to pay attention to the flock of God. So that it operate as his functioning body, the flock. His flock. is his. No one else's. You're going to deal with that more specific towards the end. By recognizing that the many members of the body, not a few, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7, one of the passages where he deals about the different aspects, we're not all the same. God comprises and, and does all this together. Members of your body, just think if only 10% of your body responded to your head. Or even just 10 didn't respond, you'd be in trouble. Sadly, that's the picture of the church so often today. By recognizing that it is God who distributes gifts to each member severally as he wills. Without favoritism, it's his will. In context here, he's talking about the leadership. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He gives it. By recognizing that the call is accompanied with the necessary gifts. There's no such thing as a call without the gift. They both go together. So Philippians 2, 12 through 13, Paul says that it's both that God wills and does of his good pleasure. And we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? First Thessalonians speaks about not despising prophecy, uh, chapter 5, verse 24. But by recognizing also that diversity magnifies unity and results in efficiency of the body by the involvement of all the members of the body, as Paul clearly makes that out in 1 Corinthians 12, 19 through 27. There's no insignificant part, and yet some of the parts that are more visible are, are really the less necessary. I mean, we've got our mug right there in front of everybody. Everybody sees it. But we can live without a face. But your pituitary gland, no one ever sees it. Try to live without it. Anybody ever come up to you and say, that's a sharp-looking pituitary gland you have there. They don't see it. By recognizing that carnality will divide, weaken, 
and destroy the effectiveness of the body life in the church. Paul deals with this very sternly in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, chapter 1, verse 10 to 13. About the divisions that Chloe, the house of Chloe had told him about. I'm of Paul's, I'm of Cephas, I'm of this, I'm of that. And is Christ divided? Did, did, I, did I baptize you in my name? And in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, I cannot speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto babe in Christ, even carnal. Carnal. By recognizing the church belongs to Jesus alone. He is the good shepherd. John ten eleven. No one else. Listen to Jesus. Um, Matthew 24, 44 through 51. He's speaking to the disciples in the Olivet Discourse. He says, Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over all his households to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and be, begins to beat his fellow servant and to eat and to drink and be drunken. The master of the servant will come on a day that he's not looking for him. And an hour that he is not aware of. And cut him in two. And listen. And appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. The contrast is the non-believer with believer. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To those much is given, much is required, right? The context of this verse, ladies and gentlemen, is as we're going to see, they're called elders, bishops, pastors. Leadership. In principle, it applies to all of us, but he's dealing with the leadership here. Paul held people in leadership to a biblical standard. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 and Titus chapter 1 also. Ladies and gentlemen, those two chapters are not suggestions. They are very stern qualifications for deacons, elders, bishops, pastors. That qualification is his home, his life, not his education, not the size of church he has, not who he knows, but his home. No elder can make the flock of God effective by corporate or management principles. The church is an organism that operates through the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the bride of Christ who is subject to him. Ephesians 5.23 and 24. The elders are to be faithful as stewards. 1 Corinthians 4.2 no man has the authority over the flock of God apart from the word of God. A leader cannot go beyond or in addition to the word of God. His authority is limited. Very important. Jesus told his flock, his disciples, listen to him, Luke twelve thirty two, Do not fear, little flock. Little flock. Not huge flock. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to what? To give you the kingdom. Jesus said in John ten sixteen, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jew, Gentile. It makes no difference who people are. They're Christians. You may be um, a certain race, a certain color, a certain whatever it is as a Christian, but you exalt 
the fact that you're a Christian, not your culture, not your background, not your race, not your IQ, nothing above your Christianity. You understand? Very important. Jew Gentile. Peter says to the elders in First Peter five two, he says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. They're one like like anybody else. You have to remain, remember that every day of your life as you serve the Lord in leadership. You are just one of the flock at this most basic level. The elders were to take heed to the people themselves and the flock. Notice secondly, the elders were to take thought of who was doing the work. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd. Now, notice the Holy Spirit took them from among the flock. One little word, among. What a difference it makes. He didn't say above the flock. He said among the flock. They were one of many sinners in the flock, saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That's important to remember. They respond to God's initiation of the call, as Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 16. That he had chosen them. They were endowed with the spiritual gifts to fulfill their call through the grace of God dealt to each person according to the measure of faith. And therefore, humility should characterize a leader. Romans 12.3 tells us according to the measure of faith he has distributed. So when he calls, he distributes all the necessary things. We'll see more clearly as we move on. Very important. That should keep us very sober, very humble. They will always be one of the flock, never separate from or above the flock. And this is very clear as Paul teaches about the many parts of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 5 is very, very clear. Now notice also the Holy Spirit made them overseers. The word overseer, episkopos, means a superintendent. It's translated bishop in 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew writings, used it to describe the taskmasters in the restoration of the temple in 2 Chronicles 34, 17. Now, the original word referred to a foreman or a construction gang, a supervisor, or a building construction. That's what the original word means. The Greeks used it to describe the men appointed to go out from the mother city to regulate the affairs of a newly found colony in some distant place. Rome used it to describe the magistrates appointed to oversee the sale of food within the city of Rome. So the context will tell you what type of overseeing they're doing, right? It was used of a special delegate appointed by a king to see that the law had to be laid down or carried out. So again, the Definition is very clear. The context will pinpoint exactly what type of oversight is going on. And so the function of a bishop was to superintend the flock of God. This is the context here. Now the term elder is the word presbyteros. Bishop is episkopos. Elder is presbyteros. It has already been described to them and it refers to the elderly or senior men of the community, though there were exceptions like Timothy. And in verse 17, he's already made that point. 
verse 17, he says, uh, from Malise, he sent Ephesians and call for the elders. There's the word, presbyteros, in contrast to bishop, which was episkopos. Now, the term bishop and elder are used interchangeably in the New Testament, correlated and interdependent in the Bible, even the Old Testament to an extent. The terms have a slight distinction. The term bishop, episkopos, describes the function of overseeing. Episkopos means to oversee, the function. While the term elder, presbyteros, describes the man's age and his position. The function of a bishop was exercised by an elder. Okay? That's the only slight distinction between the two, though they are used interchangeably because they are so closely related. You remember that Moses in Exodus 18, 17 down to 26, took the counsel of his father-in-law Jethro, and um, he selected men to oversee the work with him. And he handed them down from, you know, hundreds and fifties and so on and so forth, and they would look at the lesser matters and come to him with the more important, and this way he delegated and they oversaw the work of God. Paul, in his letter to Titus, um, tells him to appoint elders in every city and identifies their function as overseers to appoint presbyteros and to have them episcopos the work. And that's how the words are used. Now notice the Holy Spirit had called them to shepherd the flock of God. The word shepherd means to tend as a shepherd. The idea of being feeding, leading, tending, and keeping sheep. You see this throughout the Old Testament and the New. Now, um, it's not a very glorious job. It's a job that is leading really a group of animals that are very dumb. They don't smell that good. And they're not very cooperative. <laughs> Wow, what a parallel, huh? The title of a shepherd throughout the scriptures communicate care, concern, compassion, and commitment. And when you think of a shepherd taking care of those animals, man, there's care, there's concern, there's compassion. He defends them from wolves, everything else. He is committed even to lay down his life. You understand? That's the picture we get all the New Testament. In John 21... Verses 15 to 17. Jesus Christ said three times to Peter, Feed my sheep. He used another term that says, Feed my lambs. Now the first and the third time, the word Jesus used meant to pasture or to graze. In verses 15 and 17. The second time, in verse 16, Jesus used the same word as here, to feed, lead, tend, and keep. You understand? And so the function of a pastor-teacher over the local congregation was to be an overseer or bishop over the flock who was an elder such as Paul. He would feed the flock, tend the flock, and protect the flock from false doctrine and abuse. This is clear. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 speaks about the purpose of the church and that perfect the saints, they not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, so on and so forth. They get them grounded in the Word of God. Shepherds feeding the flock the Word of God. 
Pastor Xavier Reese detailing the authority and responsibilities of the steward that is the pastor, as expressed by Paul to the Ephesian elders from Acts chapter 20. Now there's much more to this study to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title you want to ask for is Paul's Counsel to the Elders. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study a leader in your church or Bible study would appreciate hearing too. Now once again, the title to ask for is Paul's Counsel to the Elders, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. The Church of the Living God is a living organism, not an organization. Pastor Xavier Reese with more Simple Truths next time right here. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 